And so let's bow our heads in prayer this morning. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace and we thank you that we can come to you. We thank you, first of all, that you answer prayer. We know that, that we can pray because you answer prayer and because you love us. And so, Lord, there, there are a couple of people on our prayer list this morning. We, we pray for Heather. We pray for the Fanroy family. We pray for, for Lauren, for Wendy and Malcolm. We pray for Ian. We pray for Rolf and Jonathan and Cheryl, Shireen, Colin and their family. And Lord, we pray for all those who are struggling with all sorts of emotional issues and for all those standing this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort them. I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would heal them. And I pray that they would know that you are at work in their lives. And Lord, I pray right now as, uh, for those who are standing, Lord, that they would sense that you are here and just want to touch their lives. And Lord, then we pray for our church. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in this church. I pray that you would continue to expand our territory. And Lord, that you would continue to bless us and continue to help us do what is right in your eyes. Lord, we, we just want to thank you for all that you have already provided for us. And we pray that you would continue to do so. And so, Lord, finally, our prayer goes out to our country. And, Lord, we pray against the agenda of the enemy over our country. And, Lord, we pray that we would be Christians who stand up for what is right. And, Lord, in our sphere of influence, that we would do what is right before the Lord and that we would continue to let our light shine even when it feels like we are under pressure and stressed out because of it. But Lord, that we would know that you are fighting for us and that you are with us. And Lord, we pray for our greater Methodist church and for Nandi Methodist church. We pray that you would touch them as a church and help them to do what is right before the Lord always. And Lord, I pray that you too would expand their territory and that you would bless them as you please. And so we honor you, Lord, we praise you, and we thank you that we can pray. And we thank you that we know that you answer prayer. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And Jesus' people say, Amen, Amen, and Amen. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. Say to your neighbor, say, Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. So my main reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 to 46. It reads as follows. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a watch tower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. 
And when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stole a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of, of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants, who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone. And the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, oh, yeah, next verse. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. So they looked for a way to arrest him. But they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. This is a, the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So say to your neighbor one more time, check yourself before you wake yourself. I'm probably going to wake that day. When last have any of you received a warning in your life? Let, let me give you an example of one. This, this didn't happen to me recently, I promise. But, but maybe you're in a rush. You're driving somewhere very fast. And you get to a, a, a robot, a traffic light. And you see this traffic light is like orangey red. You know, orange red. And you're like, man, it's not so bad. Let me just quickly skip this robot. I'm in a rush. I need to get to the other side. Anyone done that recently? Ah, uh, no one wants to put up their hands. Okay, it's fine. But then you get to the other side of the road as you've jumped this robot or skipped this stop street, and there's a traffic cop, and he stands and he says, "Whoa!" and he says, "Come, come to me." And uh, he pulls you over, and he says, "What was the color of that red light that you just skipped?" And uh, eventually you, you say, yeah, man, I did it. And now I know many of you are thinking of South African traffic cops. So you're thinking, man, all I need to have is a, is a Coke for them, you know, 20 rand and, and they're okay. But, but what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to give us a ticket. And the ticket is a warning to us that if you do not check the way you drive, if you do not check yourself, you will wreck yourself or you will wreck someone else. Agreed? Now, 
would I be wise once I've received that ticket to continue speeding and to continue driving over red robots? Yes, no, maybe? Absolutely not. Now, some of us have been warned in that way. For others, a warning might be a bill we receive and, and it says uh, it's been 90 days since you pay. If you don't pay by 120 days, we're going to list you. And so it's a warning. You can either decide, man, I'm going to pay my bill today or uh, I'm just going to leave it and see what happens. It's a warning. If we see what happens, what's going to happen? We're going to wreck ourselves. Agreed? Now, in this passage today in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus is speaking to the Israelites and he's basically giving them a message, giving them a message of warning. He's, in my words, he's saying to them, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And so he tells them this very easy and simple parable. And he says this, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. Let me explain this very simply. The landowner is God. God set Israel up to prosper. He wanted them to be the main nation of all the nations. So he gave them everything that they would need in order to prosper. He wanted them to enjoy the blessings of God. But he had a clear expectation of them. The landowner gives the land, but he expects fruit. He, he expects grapes from the land. And he gets to choose which grapes and how much grapes he once. But when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his grapes. But the tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. You see, throughout scripture, God would send his prophets to his people. These prophets would teach his people the truth. They would interpret the word of God. They would call the unrighteous to repentance. They would receive revelations from God and directions from him for his people. And sometimes they even would see into the future and foretell of coming events so that the world may be warned to check themselves before they wreck themselves. But these people, these Israelites, they would reject these prophets and they would kill them, they would stone them, and they would beat them. And so then God would say, okay, fine. I'm going to send more prophets because I love you so much. God never stopped caring for his people. He would send more prophets and expect his people to turn back to them. But often they never did. And so eventually God in the story would send his one and only son and he thought, man, I'm sure they'll respect my son. This is my heir. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and take his inheritance 
So they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Basically, Jesus came to the people. He came to the Israelites. So as he's telling the story, they're listening intently. And he's saying, you're going to kill the Son of God. And you can imagine these people are boiling up inside. Jesus is, is speaking about what is going to happen. And so Jesus, the Son of God, has come to the earth and yet he was rejected. And yet he was killed. But let, let's look at where the story takes us. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? What will he do to the Israelites? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. They replied, and he will rent the vineyard out to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. God expects his people, you and I, to give back to him that which is already his. But the Israelites refused to do so. So God promised to give the vineyard to other tenants. See, let me, let me put it this way. God gives us authority on the earth. But that authority that he gives us comes with some form of expectation. I, I remember, you know, hearing this story. This didn't happen to me, but it's a story. We all know salvation is a free gift of God, right? But someone once said, he, he gave his life to Christ. And after a few weeks, he said, these Christians tricked me. And, and so they said, well, what do you mean? He said, before I was saved, I kept hearing about how good Jesus is, that, that God has a plan for my life, that God cares about me. And I kept hearing about the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and how simple and easy it is to follow Jesus. But once I started to follow Jesus, all I kept hearing from these Christians in every sermon was, now I needed to respond to, to Jesus. I needed to live my life the way Jesus wanted me to live my life. That's all I kept hearing over and over and over again. I'd simply explain it this way. God loves us and gives us the opportunity to follow him. And once we do, he now expects something from us. He expects us to respond to his love by living for him. And here are some expectations from this story that I just want to outline. The first expectation God has of his Israelites is that they should honor him as God, that they should make him the number one in their lives, that they should put him above any other thing or person. The second expectation God has had of the Israelites was that they, would, that they would obey his laws. See, God wants us to obey his laws. And as we obey his laws, he can bless us. When we step outside of God's laws, often he withdraws his blessing. The third expectation is he expects us to produce fruit. He expects us to make a difference.
would live in such a way that the other nations would look to Israel as, as this and look to Israel and say, wow, you have such an amazing God. We will follow that God too. But that's not how the people live. God says, I have sent my prophets so that you would turn back to me and remember what I've done for you. But you treated them badly and didn't listen to them. Then again, Jesus points to himself and God said, and says, God sent me and you will reject me and kill me. And now in this passage, Jesus does something really cool. He, he, he pulls Psalm 118 into this parable, which says this, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone or the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. You see, back in that day when buildings were built, they didn't use two by four studs and pour cement into, into the studs and then hammer in the studs. No, they would use stone. Lots and lots of stone. And some of those buildings are still standing today more than 2,000 years later. But in order to build a building, the most important stone was the cornerstone. The builders would have to go and look for stone and would have to look for a perfect cornerstone that all the other stones would be able to fit on top of. And if they did not find the perfect stone, the building would collapse. But if they found the perfect cornerstone, that building would last for a very long time. You see, Jesus says about himself that he is the cornerstone. He is the one we should build our faith upon. We should not be like the Israelites who just went about rejecting and killing Jesus. But some of you may be wondering, well, who are we in this story? Are we the Israelites? No, not at all. You see, we are not the Israelites in this story. In fact, Jesus is saying to the Israelites that they are the tenants, but the owner will kick out those tenants and he will rent out the vineyard to others. You see, we are those tenants that, that God has rented the vineyard to now. And God expects from us to produce fruit. In many ways, this parable is a warning to us that we too should produce fruit. Now, often when we are warned, we can either listen to the warning or not listen at all. I must admit, and I say this quietly because my wife can hear, one of the, the toughest things about being married is that my wife knows everything I do. And she sees me do everything. And she will often say to me, stop doing that thing or you will wreck yourself. Stop doing that thing or something bad's going to happen to you. Or you're creating a habit that we don't want. Uncle Joe, your wife, do the same thing? Huh? Uncle Llewellyn, your wife, do the same thing? Yeah. Then they'll say, you, you better stop doing that. Something bad's going to happen or that's not good for you. And some of the younger people are saying, I'm not married. Well, I bet your mom or your granny or your dad does the same thing to you. And you're like, oh, granny, what do you know? Uh, in a few years' time, you go back to granny. Granny, you were right. Why didn't I listen 
to what you were saying. Why didn't I check myself before I lick myself? Now, there are times I listen to my wife immediately, and there are times where I don't. And often when I don't, uh, let's just say it doesn't always work out. And so I need to check myself before I lick myself. Say to your neighbor, check yourself before you lick yourself. And so today in closing, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to give you a how-to guide, but instead I want to give you a challenge. Here it is. Yes, we are called to honor God. We are called to obey His laws. We are called to produce fruit. We are called to share Him with the rest of the world. But I want to share one more thing. The Israelite tenants had received everything that they needed from God. They received the land, they had the soil, they had the wine press, they had the watchtower. The issue was they didn't care about anything else. They didn't care about their lives making a difference. They didn't care about giving back to God what was His. They didn't care about obeying His laws. All they wanted was to have what they wanted. And I want to challenge some of you today because I believe that there are some of us as a church who do not care if our lives make a difference or not. All we want is to be liked. If we are liked, then we feel, oh, I'll be okay. We'll be satisfied. Or with saying, man, if I could just have a good job, a good wife, a good husband, a good couple of kids, a nice car, a nice house, long weekends, a few good friends, holidays all the time, a fun retirement, a quick and easy death, and no hell, then I would be fine. And often we say we are fine with this, whether it's with God or without God. You see, I see ourselves in, in the Israelites. In that all they were concerned about was themselves. But I want to tell you today, we need to look at our lives and I want you to look at your life. I want you to reflect on your life. And I want you to ask yourself, what area of my life am I withholding from God? And if there's an area, I want you to repent and turn back to the God of the universe, the one who created everything. I want you to turn back to Him. Don't be like the wicked servants. Instead, give your life to God and let Him do whatever He wants to do with your life. Amen? Let our lives make a difference. And so finally say to your neighbor, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm going to go into a time of prayer. And if you'd like to respond to just turning every area of your life back to God, if there's an area in, in your life you feel you haven't turned back to God, now is the time. I'm going to offer the prayer. Worship team, you can join me. And I'm going to ask that if that is you, just wherever you are while our eyes are closed, just stand at the count of three. And I'm not saying stand because I want to see. I'll close my eyes. But it's you saying publicly, Lord, there's an area in my life 
I need to give to you. And then you can sit back down. So at the count of three, one, God loves you. Two, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And three, if, if you feel there's an area that you haven't given, now is the time to give it. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that we can come before your throne of grace. Father, we thank you that you allow us to turn back to you at any time. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you give us warnings and that you tell us that we should check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. And so, Lord, this, this morning we turn back our lives to you. We turn back every area of our lives to you. We hold nothing back from you and we give you back our lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and the saints of God say, Amen. Amen.